0: Amen. Good to be with you again today. Um, This morning we're starting a new series. We finished going through the seven churches of Revelation 2 and 3. um, And now we're going into a new series that I'm not sure how long it's going to last, but it'll probably take us to the end of the year. And I've called it Verses for Life. You know, it kind of occurred to me, through some of the verses in Revelation two and three, how important those verses are. And when I became a Christian, and even before that, as a kid being raised in church, memorizing scripture was a huge part of life. I mean, it's what you did. You learned those verses. and In Sunday school, if you could say your verse, you'd get a piece of candy or whatever. Uh, I'm sure today you get like a a healthy snack. But um, (laughs) memorizing scripture was important. I was, uh, last week, I drove up to Yosemite just for a quick trip, and I love it up there, and it was beautiful. And, but as I was driving, I turned off my podcast and my music, and I just started quoting scriptures that came to mind. Then I also started singing hymns that are ingrained in my mind forever, that I know the words to, and, and then old choruses that we used to sing you know, at Calvary back in the day. And, and I was thinking there's so much that you can program into you that's there and it's not dependent on having a Wi-Fi signal or it's not dependent on you know, having a cell signal or anything else. And I thought to be intentionally taking God's word and hiding it in your heart, making sure that you know it, that you can reproduce it, you know, we used to be told that when the communists take over, you won't have Bibles. And, you know, now there's plenty of communists who have Bibles. They just use it the way they want to. The truth is, do you really understand what God's saying? Is it a part of your life? And have you programmed it into your mind? So I thought up this Verses for Life series, and Justin and I were talking about it, and, and we both wrote down like, what for us were the most important verses in the Bible that everyone should know and to reflect on some of those. So for many of you who have memorized Scripture in the past, like maybe you got those Navigators cards where you just go through them and learn them or maybe it was just drummed into you or whatever. Um, Some of this will be review. I hope it'll still be really helpful. I know it has been for me. But we went through and came up with the most important verses that we thought of as like, ooh, yeah, that one's critical. And Justin and I bannered back and forth and then I said, okay, you pick your favorite and I'll pick my favorite and that'll be the first two that we do and we'll work our way through these. So what I came up with the first one is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's two verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. It's a verse that I'm sure many of you could quote. Many of us are familiar with, but this is a verse that tells us so much about life and how to live our life. And the thing about God's word is, it doesn't matter how much you have it memorized, you begin to stew on it you meditate on it, you think about it, and it says even more than you realize that it said. Trusting in the Lord. There's a new Jack in the Box commercial that I really love. It's, Jack in the Box has the best commercials and the worst food. But they, they, they have their employees getting together for a team building retreat. And the guy that's leading it is Toby Flenderson from The Office the HR guy, and he's telling them about, he goes, one of the first things we're going to do to build teams is we're going to do a trust fall. where he, And he got up on the table and he goes, you're standing back there and I'm just going to fall backwards and you're going to catch me. And so they're all like waiting. And then Jack distracts them over on the side and they're like all over talking to Jack and Toby just falls, boom, on the floor. He's laying there, his glasses are broken. And he goes, I trusted you and I think that's perfect for this scripture. When you trust in something that doesn't come through, nothing hurts worse than that. Like, I expected this, I thought this, I counted on this, and it didn't come through. So Solomon, the wisest man ever, learned this lesson. Trust not in the -the jack-in-the-box employees, certainly. Sorry, if you work at Jack in the Box, I'm sure life will get better. But, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In Yahweh, to trust means to depend on, to count on, to hide in, that you're the basis for everything. It's what supports you. So trusting in the Lord, deciding that, and of course, if he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, the word there for heart, is, it means the whole immaterial part of you, your spirit, your soul, everything that you are, your entire identity, with everything that you have, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, right away, that tells us there are other things that we shouldn't depend on. In fact, if you trust something or someone other than the Lord, you're already violating what he told us to do in this scripture. Now, I know that might be shocking to you because we all like to have people that we can trust, but can you really trust people? If you want to trust people, you can trust them to be themselves, but so often we trust people to be what we expect them to be, and that's a really unfair burden to put on people. Because it kind of forces people that they should act this way because you think they're this way and so you were trusting that they would be something that's totally out of character with and inconsistent with who they are at some point. The only thing we should expect from people is that they will be who they are. That's why we need to have the Lord trusting in him because he's the one that we can count on. And God wants us to trust him And trusting in him means trusting exclusively. It isn't, well, trust partly in the Lord, partly in the news, partly in politicians, partly in my family, partly in my friends. I kind of divide up my trust pie and I end up having a little trust here, a little trust here, a little trust here. God says, no, I'm the only one that you can completely trust. Now, You can appreciate everything else in your life. You can get excited, but you can't set an expectation that allows you to be disappointed when someone acts in a way that you thought they weren't going to act or when life didn't act the way that you expected it to act. I trust you to be you, but I can't trust you to be what I project that you should be, but God, I can trust him completely. Now, how that works, like if something happens and it totally throws me off because I didn't see it coming, I don't know. I begin to question the motives of the people who are doing what they're doing. I begin to feel like a victim. I start to get bitter and angry and whatever when I just expected people to be something that they really aren't. It just turns out I was wrong about what, they, what I thought they would do in a particular situation. But now you might go, yeah, but I get disappointed with God all the time. Do you really? Because here's the thing, when you are disappointed by God, is that really God who is disappointing you? Because if he is God, and you believe that he knows more than you do, You know, there are people who go, I could never believe in a God who would allow this or would allow that to happen. Then you just don't believe in God, okay? You have every right to not. And then what are you going to believe in? Who are you going to trust instead of God? Where if you trust God, you go, I know who he is. First of all, I know that he loves me enough that he sent his son to die for me. So I've got that, Nobody else has done that. I also know that he has promised a future for me, a place where I will live forever with him and with everyone who loves him, that I'm certain of. So now, if something happens that I didn't expect, I can go, I need to understand that in alignment with what I believe about God. And so I can go, you did this, I didn't see it coming, but God, I trust you. I trust you that in some way, not that God is like controlling everything, but that he responds and reacts and interacts with the world in such a way that in the end, things turn out according to his will. He has the end in mind. So I can just go, this happened and I didn't like it, but God, I trust you. I don't understand. I don't like it, but I trust you. If you wanna know what you're trusting instead of God, and by the way, if you're trusting in God less than with all your heart, it means that you're trusting in some other people instead. Trusting in yourself, trusting in good luck, trusting in whatever. So the only way to trust in God is to find all the other things that you shouldn't be trusting, and saying, okay, I'm sure not gonna trust in that. By the process of elimination, as somebody who's put your faith in Jesus Christ, ultimately you find yourself, all you have left is for him to trust. He's the one that I'm counting on. And it's important. And I think one way to eliminate things is to ask yourself, who or what has disappointed you in the past? Disappointment is life's way, God's way, of telling you, you were counting on something that you didn't really have a right to count on. You were expecting something that wasn't going to happen. Now, it's really easy to look around us in society and go, wow, I sure don't trust politicians. Like, did you ever trust politicians? No, but now even more so, I don't. Well, on what basis? Do you trust what you hear in the news? Do you trust what you read in social media? Do you, how, now apparently, because there's an election coming, we're having another pandemic. And it's like, <laughs> who do you trust in that? I mean, I saw during the last pandemic, I really learned there were certain people that I thought I could trust for good information. And some of what they, I mean, there was one guy who was a very important guy, really smart, great Christian, who came out and said some things that, not only turned out not to be true, but later they found emails that showed he was lying. He knew it wasn't true when he said it on Christian radio. And I'm like, whoa, I trusted him. Well, good. I'm glad you found out that you can't trust him. But then you have, oh, but there are these other people, or, you know, the people that are telling you, you know, the bleach can help you, or, or that, oh, no, it's not real at all. People claiming nobody died from COVID. That's stupid too. The mortuary down the street, I would drive to church and there were these refrigerated trucks full of dead people. I had people I love who were like, I'm not going to get vaccinated. And then I did their funerals. So it's like, uh, here we come again. Who are you going to trust? I'll give you a hint. No one. You cannot trust the information that we get. It's not that you don't listen to it. It's not that it doesn't mean something to you but don't trust anyone to the point where they can disappoint you. Um, you shouldn't trust even good people. Even Like, don't even trust me that what I'm saying is actually true. You need to trust God and look at his word and ask him and see what he tells you. Because our trust has to be exclusive or it's worthless. Anything that you trust that lets you down is self-defeating. So the elimination of everything that disappoints you, and you might go, God, that's such a jaded perspective. Like, are you saying that you shouldn't trust your loved ones, your family, we shouldn't trust anybody? I'm not saying it. That's what God is saying. Now, how does that work? How can you have a relationship with someone that you don't trust? See, here's the thing. We think that trusting someone is essential to having a relationship with them? It's not really true at all. Trusting someone, having certain expectations of what you believe someone's going to do, set you up for disappointment if you're wrong in what you thought they were going to do. you can. Do you think God trusts us? When he loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us, nothing that we do shocks him. You hear people say things like, you know, if you do that, it just breaks God's heart. No, not really, because he wasn't really expecting that much from you, except that he created you with a will and you made choices. You will have better relationships with the people in your life if you don't put expectations on them that may be violated. And here's the thing. If I am trusting you to be a certain way and you are that way, what's the big deal? That's just par for the course. You just did what I expected you to do. And then all of a sudden you do something or say something that hurts me and I'm like, I did not think you would ever in a million years do what you did. Now I'm holding up my exaggerated image of what I think you will do and holding you to that standard where ultimately to truly trust someone in a healthy relationship way, it's like, you know what? You have your own choices, and I expect you to be true to yourself. There are gonna be some times when you're not true to yourself. It's the same thing for me, but every disappointment in my life reminds me, I put my trust in the wrong place. I can't trust you to do a certain thing because then if you don't do it, I'm devastated because I was depending on you. If instead, I'm like, I can have a better connection with you because I am trusting God. I am believing that whatever happens, whatever I do, whatever you do, whatever anyone else does, it doesn't cripple me. It doesn't, oh, sorry, you're not supposed to use the word crippled anymore. It doesn't disable me or whatever. You know, because, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart because the Lord is the only one that you can absolutely count on. And again, I know that sounds like jaded, but the truth is, it sets you free to give the people in your life the freedom to be who they are. I trust that you will trust God, that you will be who you believe that he wants you to be. But I'm not trusting you to take care of me, to be anything for me. I want to trust in God exclusively. Trusting in God with all your heart means that now you should never be disappointed because when God does something, I'm like, I was all in on God. He did something that surprised me, but I trust him. He knows something I don't know. He had a reason. He had. There's a way in which he did this in a way that in the end, it's going to turn out to be really good. But if I I trust you and you disappoint me, it's easy for me to think you're a bad person, you're a phony, you screwed up. But if I trust God with all my heart and he doesn't do what I want him to do, it's just a reminder he knows more than I do. He's greater than I am. He certainly has already proven his love for me by sending his son to die for me. So this is something that we need to get straight. Even the good, dependable people in our lives, if they cause us to trust them instead of God, we are violating the scripture. Our trust belongs in him and him alone. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's important. Then he goes on and says, and lean not on your own understanding. Don't support yourself by what you are able to know or learn or think. Understanding is a wonderful gift. Solomon, who's writing this, had a great perspective on it, and he talked often about, hey, whatever you can do, get knowledge, get understanding, get wisdom, ask God for wisdom. So he realized how valuable these are, but in the context of this perspective, He's saying, "You can't trust yourself. You can't trust what you think you know." There are good things that shouldn't be trusted. There, I remember one time I was doing a wedding for some people that I really didn't know very well. Usually, I try to duck out before the reception because you know it's awkward when I leave once the fat aunt who's drunk starts dancing, and then I'm like, Vroom. "But so." but I, I hadn't signed the license yet, so they had a toast, and the best man got up and he said, he said, you guys, in my life, I've made a lot of decisions with my head, and I've made other decisions with my heart. Will you all, may you always follow your heart. And people are like drinking, and I go, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked <laughs> above all things who can know it the worst thing in the world is to follow your heart is to go because i have a feeling this is going to be right i'm not saying that doing something that you believe is wrong but do i lean on it do i trust it if we can't learn to look at everything we think we know and say i could be wrong then we're in big trouble because as soon as you start trusting in what you think you already know, and if you regard life as being, I learned this, and I learned this, and I learned this, and I'm building this superstructure of knowledge and information, and I'm just becoming a better person. You're becoming delusional. The truth is, and, and this is true for all the old people who are here who have any kind of integrity at all, you'll, you'll admit, I used to know a lot more than I know now. I still know things, but man, if I could go back, I was so stupid when I thought I was so smart. And, but at some point, sometimes, there are certain people who, grumpy people usually, who are like, I haven't learned anything new in years. I know what I know, and I believe in it, and I'm telling you, I'm still, we need Reagan to fix this. Or we, you know, it's like, hey, you know, it's a different world. Do you understand that you might have been wrong, I was was watching this guy, Clint Harp, uh, who's on the Magnolia Network, he has this show where he goes and restores, he helps people really restore these old barns and stuff, and he was in this community, and he just loves the Dutch, because the Dutch came over here and brought all this thing, so he's just waxing about how amazing the Dutch built these houses, And, and one of the things they had him do is he goes and talks to this lady who had been, her family had been from that area back into the slave days, and she was African-American. And he's just saying, yeah, you know, I just love seeing what the Dutch did. And she goes, you do understand that the Dutch weren't lifting those stones and building those cool buildings. There were slaves who were doing it. The Dutch brought slaves over, and Clint's like, cut, cut. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought, isn't that us a lot of the time? We understand that, you know, I wouldn't have thought that before, but I change in my understanding now. Now, that doesn't mean that I am more influenced by popular culture, by the way that people look at things now. The last thing I want to become is somebody who's just at the whim of whatever instant thoughts that society has. I'm going to go there. I'm going to just go back and forth. But the other thing that I don't ever want to be is a person who thinks that they know everything that they think. Like, everything that I think, I know it. I become more and more confident. That's a person who's not learning anymore. The scripture has so much to say about that. And so, once you get the trust issue down, eliminate the, the irrelevant trust that you have in your life. Now, understand this. Are you going to depend... On what you think you know? Are you going to hold on to what you think about everything and never change and just add more support onto it? If you do that, you begin to die. You're not learning, you're not a student. That isn't knowledge really at all. That's hanging on to dumb traditions. There are so many things that people believe that people used to believe it and now we really know. Now it's, that's really not true. But you can decide to just hang on to something because well, I, I, I had a professor who said, nobody should ever write a book until they're like 60 years old. And he had written a bunch of books when he was younger than that. But he goes, here's the problem. When you write a book when you're in your 30s or 40s, you write that book and the rest of your life you either have to defend what you don't even believe any longer, or you're embarrassed to go, yeah, I don't really like that book. I think of like the kiss-dating-goodbye guy that ends up kind of leaving the Christian faith after being the spokesperson for all this stuff. You know, we should all take what we think we know and attach it with Velcro and just go, I'm open. See, and again, if I'm trusting God, then I can understand that I am limited, that I'm wrong. And it really doesn't feel bad at all to go, here's what I think, but I could be wrong. That is one of the wisest things that we can say in life. I could be wrong. Because it doesn't lock you in to something that because I think it now, I'm always going to think it and I will defend it. I'll be like a flat earther. It's like, yeah, I know it's I'm looking around. I have a few flat earth friends, but at some point you go, I think it's not flat, you know, let's face it. I mean, India landed on the moon, That's but, you know, we have to decide, how do I live my life? Defending what becomes obviously, you know, uh, irrelevant or wrong? Or do I just go, you know what? I expect to learn something this year. I expect to learn something this week. I hope that there is information that gives me a fresh perspective on life and on God than what I've already had. I do not want to just petrify where I am. It's why I'm not very nostalgic about the past. The last thing I wanna do is to go, oh, if we could just get back to those days. And I'm an old guy, I should be really sentimental that way, but I'm not because unfortunately I have such a good memory, I remember everything about it, and I realize actually we're really blessed right now. This isn't so bad. This isn't the worst that we've ever had it. We're not spiraling down the drain. All that stuff sells people. All that stuff promotes people, but the truth is I'm excited to see what God's gonna do next, and it might be more real and more powerful than what he's done before. At any rate, I'm not gonna hold on to the past. And I'm not going to hold on to my own theories and ideas and my own interpretations. When I go through the scriptures, I want something fresh. And I've been teaching the Bible for over 50 years. And when I open my Bible, I want something that I haven't seen before. And that's the Bible is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible is that way. It never disappoints me. God never disappoints me. Now. I'll hear some of my old sermons. I don't listen to my old sermons, but somebody will send me one. Or like the old parson to person that we used to write on the bulletin at Calvary. There's somebody, uh, a buddy of mine has those and he sends them to me. And I'm, I'm like, they're not embarrassing, but they might be, who knows? I was so stupid back then compared to what I've learned now. The biggest thing I've learned now is how little I know. And that's one of the most important lessons to learn in life. I don't know it all. Now, I don't have to defend what I think. I go, "Fine, if you're, you know, you could be right, I could be wrong." That doesn't make you any less smart. It actually makes you more smart because you've made the decision as Solomon says here, "Don't lean on your own understanding." You need to get to the point where you realize that learning is a process that everything that I know is in flux. All that I know for certain is God. I trust him, he sent his son to die for me, he rose from the dead, he's promised me heaven. That, I'm, I'm banking my soul on. The other stuff, I'm like, I, and I'm not like, I believe every word of the Bible. I trust the Bible because you need to trust something. I need a basis for truth. So I trust the Bible. But I don't trust my particular or your particular interpretation of every single part of the Bible. Maybe it doesn't mean what I thought it meant. So when I approach the Bible, it's like I want to have an open heart. I want the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And so Solomon says, don't depend on your own thought processes. It's not that they're bad. You should learn everything that you can, but you shouldn't trust what you think you already know because that becomes a remedy toward no more learning. You will not ever be a a student for real if you start to think that now you've arrived. Think Think of some of the dumb things that you used to believe that you don't now. I mean, crazy stuff. I don't lean on that. Because I don't lean on it, I don't trust it. What I know is God, what I trust is God. I'm not depending on my own ability to process. I'm not depending on this body of truth that I have acquired, and now I just need to, if I can just hear one more hour-long YouTube video from some guy I never heard of, because somebody in the church sent me this YouTube video and thought for sure I wanna hear this wacko, and I'm like, okay, fine, then that's gonna do the trick. No, and I'm not knocking that, but, you know, again, are you looking for something that will give you a fresh perspective? Are you looking for something that's gonna make you feel smart, feel like, yep, I nailed that. I had that. Life is a process. And he goes on to say, after he says, you know, don't lean on your understanding, he said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge in Hebrew is yada. It's the same word that in Yiddish they say yada, yada, yada. It means I know, I know, I know. And to know God, in all your ways, everything that happens, know God. It's the word that's used in the Hebrew metaphorically when it says like Adam knew Eve. They weren't introduced. Him knowing her, they ended up having a kid from it. And so it's like with the deepest, most intimate connection, I really know you. We tend to think of knowing God as like, have you accepted Jesus? Okay, great. Now you know the Lord. No way if in all your ways you are to know him, what that means is I don't know him today the way he wants to know me tomorrow. This is the process of life. And as soon as I can eliminate all the other stuff that I'm trusting in, what's left is, God, I wanna know you more today. How does this work? Well, for instance, when somebody lets you down what does that tell you about God? What does that show you about his heart? It's If someone breaks your heart, that's good, actually, because now you realize that whoever it is that broke your heart wasn't God, that He is still there, that He doesn't change. And so in actuality, when a person hurts you, because you were inordinately depending on them instead of God, now What can I learn about God from this? And inevitably, when when life hurts us, it's an opportunity to know God a little bit more intimately, to really connect with Him. So often, what drives us to spend time with God are the times when life disappoints us, when we trusted things that we shouldn't. So then we're like, oh man, we lost an election. Now what do we do? "Eh, Maybe we should... Try God. We should remember why he is greater than anyone that we would depend on. Oh, this relationship. I thought we were going to be together forever and now we're not. What do I do? Well, what does it do to your knowledge of God? Were you expecting too much from a person? And in the process of that, could God have maybe done something to actually protect you and deliver you? If you're like... I just want somebody in my life. Is God maybe protecting you from some of the people that might have been in your life that would have damaged you more? Is he giving you this opportunity to go, like Corey Ten Boom said, you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Is there something to that? Well, I would say in everything, the issues of trust, the struggling with trusting him, the, the, the error of trusting something other than Him, the process, knowing Him. I would never know God the way I know Him had I not been through everything that I've been through in life. And probably the things that drove me to Him were the things that were the most devastating. And yet, I trust Him, and now, I know him a little more. And then I realize he'll still be there. When nobody else wants to talk to me, he does. And so in everything that you do, is it moving you toward a fellowship, a connection with him? And so Solomon says that, and then he throws out at the end, and he will direct your path or your roadway it helps to know that life is not a series of significant events, that life is not necessarily a progression, but it's a path and it starts where you started and it ends where you're gonna end. And so the Bible has a lot to say about, here's where this journey ends up. Now I look at my life and when I'm forced to trust in him, and usually I learn to trust in him when I'm disappointed by trusting in other things or other people. And so then I finally come to this point where I'm like, this is a path. I'm actually just on the road. And then I gain the insight to look back and say, you know what, if I hadn't been disappointed in other things and other people, I wouldn't have got where I am today. I wouldn't be where I am without every event every hurt, and then I realized stuff happened that I thought I was just unlucky. I thought God wasn't paying attention to me. I felt so alone. And Solomon would go, no man, you're on a path. You're going somewhere. And your destination is not your victories here. Your destination is not your success here. That may be along the path, good and bad, but in the end, when you're trusting him, when you're getting to know him more, when you're not just trusting in your own understanding, you get to know him, you start seeing the path. And you go, I don't know what's in the future, but I can look back and say, there's so much that helped to make me who I am that's in my past. And God was leading through all those times. I've had... You know, there are times when I can start feeling bad for some of the ways I've been mistreated in my life, or being abused as a kid, or something like that. And then, when I found over and over again that I'm with someone who had been abused, all of a sudden I'm like, I totally know what that feels like. And I wouldn't go, look, I was, I had it worse than you. No, it's like I have, I understand what it feels like to be marginalized, to be taken advantage of, because I've been there. I've been ripped off by people. I've been badmouthed by people. I've been abused by people over and over again. And you know what? That's all a part of my path. That's all a part of what has brought me where I am today. And if I'm trusting him, I like where I am today. You may not like where I am today. You may look at me and go, Dave, it's about time you outgrew some of that. But the truth is, Here I am. If I'm honest with him and if I trust him, I realize that where I am today is where I am on his road. And I realize it's a road. It isn't a destination. I don't look at my life as being, well, I finally got there. I look at my life and go, wow, this is an interesting story. This is an interesting path. So, and I would encourage you this week, if you haven't memorized this scripture Memorize these two verses, they will serve you well. But even if you know them immediately, then meditate on them and think about it. What does this say to you? Who am I trusting instead of God? What am I not letting go of in in the field of my understanding? In what ways can I know him more? And then look at your path and go, actually, we're doing great because I'm still here, I'm still alive. Everything behind me was part of his plan, was part of his path, and he's not gonna let me down, and I'm gonna finish this, this story. I know how the story ends. How it goes in the meantime, not a big deal. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this great scripture. And so many of us know the verse, and we can check it off our list but we're still living our lives trusting things other than you, trusting people other than you, counting on even good people instead of you. Teach us to trust you with everything that's within us. Deliver us from the idea that somehow we know enough that we've got this. Help us in the middle of our disappointments, to know you more intimately. And I thank you that you will, in fact, direct our paths. You brought each one of us where we are right now, and we're on track, because that's the kind of God you are. Thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.